Guten Tag, listeners. This is the Inciting Moment podcast, episode four. And we have ourselves a very special evening on our hands. Uh, we are going to do uh, our first of uh, hopefully several uh, little mega sessions that we plan on doing every so often in terms of when. Still working on the consistent sort of pattern for it. But uh, it's it's special in the fact that this is... Uh, a unique release of a movie, a movie that many people uh, knew just by looking at what we got in theaters uh, was not representative of what it was intended to be. Many thought, oh, you know what? The real version, it's out there and we want to see it. But uh, the uncertainty uh, over the following months of this movie just kept growing and growing to the point where uh, this special cut, this Snyder cut, if you will, was a, uh, a mystery. Many debated whether or not it existed, but as more and more time went on, we came to find out that wasn't the case. Ladies and gentlemen, we are, of course, talking about uh, the Zack Snyder-directed superhero epic Justice League. So yeah, uh, Snyder Cut, that's what we're here to discuss today. Uh, in all of its four-hour-long glory, uh, yes. to give some background of this, uh, this, this wondrous film, perfect for all ages, despite its R rating, which mm -hmm. may or may not be unnecessary, we'll, we'll get to that later on. The Snyder Cut uh, is the, the special not so much special edition, but the the director's cut, the true version that was intended to come out uh, in theaters in the year 2017. Now, what happened was, after production had completely wrapped and was transitioning into post-production, Zack Snyder got some news that his daughter, uh, Autumn Snyder, uh, sadly, committed suicide, and uh, naturally, with something that tragic, he had to step away entirely from the movie uh, to to deal with the uh, passing of his daughter. And it's around this time too that um, Warner Brothers, the studio responsible for releasing Justice League. They were getting cold feet as to whether Zack Snyder's vision for the connected DC cinematic universe uh, would actually be commercially viable to compete with, uh, you know, a, a small little collection of films called the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of those, uh, from what I understand. You know, decent enough, fun. Uh, don't know if they made too much money, though. So well, who could say? what ended up happening was Warner Brothers. They needed somebody to come on and finish it. And uh, what they also wanted to do was uh, hit two birds with one stone and also try to do a course correction for the film uh, to make it, uh, in their eyes, uh, commercially viable. So they got the exact same director uh, for Avengers, uh, Joss Whedon, to uh 
in, Touch it in up a, a simplified kind of play script doctor. Yeah, play script Frankenstein doctor. more like it. Well, that too. Mhm. That uh that could also be a uh completely valid description of it. 100 million dollars was spent on uh, reshoots to add in these uh enhancements as he considered them. A lot of that also went into uh <laughs> digitally removing a mustache that uh the actor for Superman, Henry Cavill was was sporting uh for a Mission Impossible movie which for some reason contractually he could not shave. Uh, <laughs> now, was that a contract? That, that I whole... I thought he just didn't want to. It was you in know, his contract. You know, it's it's conflicting. I think it was in mm. his contract. But uh yeah, it, no, the mustache couldn't me. go. It had to be on his face because apparently it was central to his character. And seeing the movie myself, it really wasn't. <laughs> the the movie of Justice League that we got, my goodness, it did not look finished. It did not feel finished. It never flowed in a cohesive way. It was paced okay, but that came at the sacrifice of very clearly missing out on some details that were important to have the overarching story understandable. <laughs> so, uh, Zack Snyder got the go-ahead to actually finish his definitive version uh, due to the outcry for his vision of Justice League to be realized. And here we are in its four-hour-long glory. Which... Oh boy, are we ever. <laughs> Naturally, before we get into that, though, I felt that it was uh, important that we sort of expound on our thoughts on the previous, but also subsequent films uh, that are in the DCEU, given that a good chunk of them... <laughs> even though they are a little topsy-turvy in their planning, build up to Justice League. Uh, and naturally, because they're in a shared universe, I think it's important we also discuss if it's actually cohesive or not, even though I'm sure a lot of people already know the answer to that. So, with that said, uh, Scott, buddy, do you want to start us off with sharing just general thoughts of the DCEU, both leading up to, but also following uh, the theatrical cut of Justice League? Uh, yeah, I can, uh, I can give some, a little bit of my thoughts on them. Um, mm -hmm. Starting with Man of Steel, I'm in the gray area of enjoying Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. I enjoy Superman in that movie, uh, how he adapted to uh, living on Earth in the beginning, and I, I, <laughs> I like the action scenes. Yeah, there's some good punchy times and all that. But the, uh, the entire uh, tornado scene is uh, unneeded. Ah... Uh... Yes. There, there are a lot of little things that just kind of kind of throw the whole movie. Yeah. That just don't add up. Oh, yeah. And that tornado scene, if I'm not mistaken, that 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 is the death scene for uh, spoilers, I guess, if you haven't seen Man of Steel. Uh, Papa Kent 
which uh, now that Kevin I Costner. have that in my head, oh, I don't like how that was implemented. I really don't. <laughs> that entire character was kind of a weird thing. I also mm-hmm. liked Zod in the movie. I thought oh, he yeah, was Michael uh, well Shannon played by was Michael Shannon. Edition, yeah. I will find him. <laughs> I will find him. Um, I enjoy the end. Um, also, a little bit of uh, spoilers. Uh, if you you know haven't seen it, uh, eight years ago, um, when Superman is forced to kill Zod mm-hmm. at the very end because it's a defining moment that Superman prefers or he chooses to save a family over his own like race basically yeah Mm -hmm. and of course a big thing with superman is he doesn't want to kill nobody but god literally forced him to make a choice yeah um now i have some disagreements about that scene specifically but the overall message i guess works yeah, it, it, and I think that that scene on its own, it, it's effective. The problem is, is um, what kind of uh, keeps that from uh, fully hitting home for me is that uh, Superman, very clearly broken up about the fact that he had to kill someone in order to actually save the day. But to me, that didn't mean shit because he has little to no problem throwing cars and other large objects into giant buildings and causing them to topple over. So to suddenly be wrapped up in uh, ending the life of somebody else, it just doesn't, you know, click for me. Yeah, that, that was very well done in that sense. I mean, the thing about it is it's a very important scene, though, because it it sets up basically the most important character for the DCEU, which is Superman, and sets Mm -hmm. up the the universe that Zack Snyder wants for Justice League as a whole, because these aren't your standard comic book versions of the characters. These are characters that are willing to snap a motherfucker's neck, and that Mm -hmm. is is a very beautiful viewpoint of what Zack Snyder wants out of his DCEU is people are going to die. These superheroes, these ain't your dad's Justice League. They ain't no halls of justice. These guys are hard. <laughs> these guys are hardcore. They'll do what needs to be done. And I, I kind of respect that, that he's taking it in his own way. I'm not a huge fan of it personally because I always like the, the good old-fashioned soups. But you know what? For a debut film, it could have been better, but it could have been worse as well. I, I, it, it is a very gray area, as Scott was saying. I, I do agree with you, Sam. Here's a question I'd like to pose to you because this is something I've thought about. Do you think Man of Steel was intended to be a starting point for a big, expansive world? Because I never thought that they were trying to aim for that. The thing about it is, I think, I I, I can't remember the exact timeline of when Avengers movies came out. But with, with the Avengers movies coming out around that time period, I almost feel like it's impossible that it wouldn't be. I mean, Marvel mm-hmm. was such a big thing even back then. It it it's just how could you not copy that? People were seeing this this cinematic universe, and it was a relatively new thing at the time, but it was making a shite ton of money. So I I mean I I mean it's another comic book series, which is a you know small quinky dink, and it just happens to be the, the you know the other big comic company. So I just well, no, I guess that I much. I was wondering if you thought like a Man of Steel specifically was originally envisioned to launch off 
that, or do you think they more retrofitted it to be the start? Because that was always hmm. my thought. I think it low-key was supposed to get that going. Okay. Low-key. Kind of like in the same manner Iron Man did. Where if you watch Iron Man and you only watch it as like a movie about Iron Man, there really isn't any indicator that it's going to like build up to something bigger. It's only afterwards that they were like, oh, you know what? You know what? Let's get the band together. I suppose that's a good point. Yeah. Now, here's my question. Because uh, apparently the original plan with, uh, with, with, you know, Man of Steel, doing decently. There were plans to do one more Superman-centric story that would actually introduce Batman as more of like a side character before he becomes a main uh, element of the universe in the following movie, Batman vs. Superman. But uh, because of uh, how Marvel <laughs> kept on showing its momentum, just picking up and not slowing down, they nicked that idea and went straight into Batman versus Superman. Uh, with that, <laughs> Batman versus Superman. Do you think it needed another movie before they got to that? Absolutely. Short answer? Yep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. God, it needed one very badly. There's a lot of, like, stuff going on in that movie that clearly implies shit's already gone down. Mm -hmm. And when you haven't been shown any of that, it's just, like... Well, one, it's a lot of empty references, and two, it's like these characters are dealing with emotional trauma that we do not know. And it's not, like, the point of the movie, you know what I mean? Yeah, and especially Batman, because it's in this universe that Zack Snyder, uh, he's like, yeah, y y you know, Batman has his time on the screen and he has a long lineage, but, you know, with, with, with my Batman, I wanted my Batman to be a cool Batman. And I guess his idea of making Batman cool is making him a bloodthirsty murderer. <laughs> Who brands yeah, yeah. people. Yes, and very clearly, there's hints that it comes from something that he dealt with in the past, because this is supposed to be an older Batman, but we haven't seen that. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the payoff without the buildup. And that mm -hmm. interpretation of Batman, I'll, I'll say, is something I was not able to shake moving forward. Because yeah. there's yeah. never a transition period. He just kind of no. stops. But, like... We don't know that because we barely spend any time with them. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts, right. Scott? If I'm not mistaken, they showed Robin's costume in Batman for Superman, right? They did, yes. It was covered with, yeah. like, Joker uh, graffiti or something. Yeah, that would imply that he lost Robin probably in the same way that Jason Todd went in the comics. So that's probably why he's more brutal. I, guess, but I feel like we should have... <laughs> you know, seen that. Yeah. yeah. The, the um, thing with the Marvel movies is you don't have to know the comics going in to know what's going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's an implicator. They, they expect you to have knowledge going in, despite it being a completely different interpretation of the character. Uh, if they had shown 
like Robin's death, and that would make more sense of why he's so like brutal with criminals because he probably sees them all like, oh, if they can take something that I have, then they can take something from anyone. So none of them deserve freedom. That does mm-hmm. mean, though, that we're starting basically in the middle of his arc. Yeah. Which is mm-hmm. weird. And then, of course, you know, with many things that are half-baked or just not, you know, comprehensible, the the, the actual cause for why, you know, Batman versus Superman is even happening, many people... They, they like the idea of these two characters clashing with each other because they have such varied ideas of justice and how you go about serving that. And naturally, if you're going to make them fight, that should be what propels the two. And we get some of those things. But even then, like, when they go into that, it almost seems hypocritical because, like, oh, yeah, you know... Superman is saying that Batman, uh, he's taking things into his own hands and that, you know, he's above the law. When, motherfucker, this guy in the last movie, Man of Steel, had no problems with uh, crashing a, <laughs> a, a government drone and just overall throwing shit around like <laughs> nobody's business. And then, of course, you got, like, uh, Batman also being like, oh, yeah, he's going to kill people. And then, you know, here's Batman going around branding people and having no issue with, you know, using his Batmobile to slingshot cars into (laughs) bad guys. Yeah, the problem is they wanted to make it, you know, like a black and white difference, but the problem with everything's gray. There's no good guy in that movie. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. And that's why it's such a, you know... (laughs) <laughs> abysmal experience honestly because it's just like i this just feels so miserable nobody here seems like they're in the right well, except Mark. lex luther except him let's not talk about him he's not in that movie <laughs> still I, a strange like, casting choice with um it really really is i i literally forgot that he was lex luther until he showed up in like the mo- this movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jesse Eisenberg is Lex Luthor. I, mm. I can never forget his face is tied to Lex Luthor. Yeah. Because, like, the whole implication is that, like, Superman is fighting Batman because if he doesn't, his mom dies. And right. uh, he makes an attempt to be like, hey, listen, you don't understand. And he just kind of gives up on trying to convince Batman when if he just finished the rest of his sentence, he could. And (laughs) again, it just goes into that, like, I don't care or just overall inconsiderate sort of attitude that this Superman has, where it's just like, man, I'm just going to beat the shit out of this guy now. Why? Because, oh, he's an asshole. Because DC has like three names they give any female character, so the fact that their mom both has the same first name means they're friends now. (laughs) I mean, the thing about it is there there was really no set up for them to fight at all because Mm -hmm. it's he meant to take it from the comic, um, Batman v Superman, but there's a whole different context in that universe that just causes it not to work here. There's a heavy theme of like governmental power and whatnot with Superman being on the side of a overzealous government and with batman being a more rebellious agent 
and it's just not here and there's there's no good reason for them to fight at all there's no like we said earlier there's no differentiating opinions on really anything batman's a bit too extreme sure but like you said superman's you know superman snapped zod's neck and threw a bunch of people in the building okay not actual people but well, but he basically leveled a city <laughs> I mean, he didn't mean to. He didn't mean I'm, to. Granted, but... I'm a Superman defender, okay? I, I love Superman, so I'm biased Look, in that. <laughs> no, I I like Superman, too. But, like, from the point of view of the public, they don't know he's a good guy. They just know he showed up, had a fight, and destroyed half the city. It, I just... There needed a lot, be a lot more setup, and I would have loved to have a movie. Another Superman of Steel movie that involved, like, Batman a little bit. You know, at least set up the conflict. Yeah. That oh yeah, it, it, I would have liked it too because apparently the villain in uh, Man of Steel two is supposed to be Metallo, and I don't think Metallo gets enough attention. That's an interesting. He's cool. Yeah, he's okay. Yeah, and then uh, of course after BVS we got Wonder Woman, which was a moderately kind of well done movie. I mean, it's nothing remarkable, but. Amongst the sea of other DC stuff that came out around the time, it was better. I mean, and then, of course, you got competent. Suicide Squad to completely, yeah. like, contrast <laughs> that. And, oh, we get a good look at this Joker that's apparently been causing him so much strife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jared Leto. And then finally... What a guy. Uh, after all that, and I believe it came after Wonder Woman, so people were kind of thinking, ah, well, maybe since Wonder Woman was kind of a step in the right direction, maybe this will also be good enough. I think, uh, when talking about the theatrical cut of, uh, Justice League, I guess good enough is what I would describe it as. That's my very, very kind of you. Yeah, I am, (laughs) I am not a fan of that film at all (laughs) no i i mean here's the thing it's not terrible i'm not like you know frustrated from how nothing makes sense like in bvs the thing is though is that it's the worst kind of movie it's just bland it does nothing for anyone because of how safe and just how bare minimum it is so there's a there's a thing, right, of we keep talking about how we don't have enough time with the characters to, like, learn who they are. And then this movie has to introduce, like, 12 of them. Yeah. yeah. And uh, with the reshoots and cutting down on the runtime, because Warner Brothers really didn't like the idea of this movie being longer than two hours. Uh, it It only accentuates that. And I feel like uh, many of the characters in there... You know, they suffer. Yeah. It re- they really, really do. Some of them don't even have arcs, and arcs are a very important part of any movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you can't have a movie in which the characters just... Unless it's like a very specific theme or method of filmmaking, you can't have a character end up the same way he did in the beginning, or her, him or her. You know, it's just, you can't do it. you got to learn now, of who course. these people are. Yeah, because otherwise the journey means nothing, and you're just kind of there for the ride. Which, of course, brings us to the big question. Uh, Before we get into the nitty-gritty going chapter by chapter with this monstrosity, this behemoth of a runtime, general non-spoilery thoughts on whether or not the Snyder Cut 
uh, improved many of these problems that we take issue with in uh, the theatrical cut of Justice League. Uh, James, my guy, would you like to share your general thoughts? Uh, so I, I think it might be a, a pretty standard idea that this is a better product than the theatrical release. Mm-hmm. However, that was such a low bar, I, I cannot in good confidence say that this was still worth it in the long yeah. run. Uh, but that's probably as much as I can give you without going into nitty-gritty spoilers. So, Scott, mm-hmm. why don't you give your thoughts? I loved it. I, mm. uh, I think it was a vast improvement over the, uh, <laughs> theatrical. Eh, I don't know why I was even in theaters to begin with. Um, movie that is 2017 Justice League. Um, I feel every character had a a good enough arc the main uh the main five mm-hmm. and yeah i can't say much obviously if uh if you were to look at it as just a standalone movie what would you uh say uh it it fares like not necessarily taking into account that it is technically a re-released version of the older one how does it fare when you just look at it by itself um, I mean, like, because it tells enough about each character as the movie goes, so it's mm-hmm. it's not like it's springboarding into something that, uh, into, like, the next sort of movie. Uh, it doesn't feel like it's, it feels like it, it builds and builds and then it pays off at the end, in my opinion. Okay. And you, yeah. Sammy boy? I am actually kind of in this, a very similar boat to Scott. I actually really, really enjoyed it. And I think that's not because of it as a standalone film. I think it's mostly just because of the improvements from the theatrical to the Snyder cut. By itself, the, the problem with it being by itself is that it's so long of a movie Mm-hmm. It's almost kind of hard to gauge it as that. You almost have to gauge it like a miniseries or something of the sort. In terms of it by itself, it, I think it's an enjoyable movie. It's, it's adequate enough. As, and I know that sounds you know kind of harsh upon it, but it, it does it does a fair enough job. It really does. It takes it by itself. It's way too long, unless you're dedicated to watching it. it if, if it was just by itself as a product without any other context, other than it existing in its own vacuum. It would need to be a miniseries. I'm sorry, four four hours. Yeah, the runtime really product. hurts this. Yeah, but I almost with the amount of flashbacks and whatnot they give, I I, I almost feel like you don't need to see the other movies. Like this mm-hmm. could have been a standalone just by its own length. Like a little more exposition, it could have worked out by itself. But overall, I I, I really did enjoy it. But I. I am biased in the fact that I, it really comes from the improvements over the theatrical. It's because I've seen the original Josh Whedon butchery version that I've enjoyed this so much. Okay. But, well, yeah, very good. The, the, the big reason I ask if uh, any of you guys happen to not only enjoy it because of it being the definitive version, uh, but also as its own standalone, you know, 
uh, film entry is because uh, I thoroughly enjoyed my time with this. So much mm-hmm. so that uh, Sam and I, we watched it uh, part by part. Okay, well, not entirely. We watched the first uh, two parts uh, in one sitting, and then later on we decided, you know what, let's just watch the remaining three hours. <laughs> mm-hmm. Later that same day, uh, my dad asked, hey, I haven't seen the Snyder Cut yet. You want to watch it? And I said, yes. Ian, that's not you liking the movie. That's Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> I, no. Uh... No, 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 no. Snyder's that got a... you in his basement. Tell the truth. I actually enjoyed it on both of those standpoints, both as a improvement, but I'm not going to lie. It may not be a, a, a flawless film. It may not, you know, be, you know, quality per se. But the thing is, though, is that as its own thing, as a movie, I actually thought that there was some pretty good stuff. And uh, obviously, once we go chapter by chapter, we'll get into the details on all that. But I actually, and and I say this kind of disappointingly because of, you know, the fact that sadly what Zack Snyder has built up isn't going to be pursued anymore. I actually felt that this hit a decent tonality spot that could have worked for the DCEU going forward. For DC to finally find its groove and be its own thing separate from Marvel and be able to kind of keep up with all that. And if following movies were like this, I would actually be excited to watch them. Fair enough. Yeah. And of course, now I'll uh, I'll go into some of those things as we go along. Uh, you'll probably hear more of it in the later chapters because uh, the beginning half of this, uh, it's it's a mixed bag for me because of uh, pacing issues and whatnot, which so, mm-hmm. we'll elaborate on. E- even the original had some pacing issues, and I think that but for this movie reasons. being longer, the especially the first half of the the film suffers the most. But at Definitely. least there was setup, <laughs> you know. That's oh, something yeah. I guess. And anyway. that makes well, the second half better. Yes. That it does. Well, <clears throat> let's get right into it, gentlemen. Starting with chapter one, in which the literal first thing we see is the death of Superman. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Is that is this symbolism for what's happening to the DCEU? With them literally stabbing and, like, making him explode outward throughout the entire Earth? Yeah. So essentially, we have a a uh, sequence that pretty much picks up not where BVS left off and where it ended, but where the final battle against um, uh, I'm totally not a Lord of the Rings troll, uh, Doomsday. <laughs> yeah, Ugh, that wasn't a good design. That's a pr- that's a perfect example of blowing your load too soon. Yeah. And essentially what happens is that the death of Superman is apparently a phenomenon that people all around the world uh, hear because of his uh, Kryptonian death cry. Apparently so much so that uh, Atlanteans all the way out in the ocean can hear it. And uh, I see where uh, Zack Snyder was trying to do with uh, having it be this this thing that everyone 
experiences because of how large scale it was. The problem mm -hmm. is, is that Superman's relationship with uh, the planet, uh, really not that well established to where that feels like it's impactful that's a, as it should be. That's a okay, thing that okay. bothered me about BVS as well. Uh, everyone hates Superman, right? Oh, yeah. So why was there a massive funeral for him? I Improper <laughs> setup this way. I don't know. Honestly. Hey, to be fair, later on in that movie, the butterfly danced around his finger like he was okay. So I'm just saying that's that's a little bit of a little bit of build up right there. Uh -huh. Yeah, at least animals like Superman. <laughs> Maybe he's a Disney princess. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that, now that that's an interpretation I'd be willing to see. Give oh, Disney a couple yeah. more years, I guarantee you. I guarantee you they'll buy Ooh. DC. <laughs> oh god. Okay. Now, well, now that you put it that way, what, what's the word of the podcast? Monopoly, children. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Uh, in the same chapter, this is when we uh, see Bruce Wayne's attempts to enlist other metahumans to form a, uh, a league of sorts, starting with uh, Not Your Father's Aquaman. I, I was going to say, should we just talk about Aquaman for a sec? Because his place sure. in the story is very strange. Yeah. And um I think he's actually kinda cool. You know, but it's it's mm -hmm. less it's less abrasive than it was in the theatrical cut. Because they give him a little bit more yes. a little bit more time and you can understand him a little bit more, and that really does help get past this kind of like dude bro kinda attitude around him, you know. Did you guys watch mm -hmm. the Aquaman film? Because I did not, and I yes, don't I know if they tried to like worm some stuff from that in here. Uh he was very Not similar to how he really. was in the solo movie uh, in this one. Okay. Yeah. His overall abrasiveness, I, I guess, is a little toned back. Pretty much a lot of the stuff that is established with him in this carries over. Uh, in mm -hmm. fact, um, with... Uh, oh, shit. I forget his character's name, but Willem Dafoe's character even mentions what's going on with... Um, uh, Aquaman's brother uh, trying Bellicose to take over Atlantis like and like you know attack the surface which is mm -hmm. essentially the main conflict of the Aquaman movie it's a little mm -hmm. awkward in terms of how it's placed uh, but I mean it is there and it's not the worst ever it's not amazing Spider-Man 2 kind of setup <laughs> I was not expecting Defoe to show up in this film it, it's such a weird just out of nowhere thing Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially his long hair. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. His flowing locks. Distracting, oh, even. White. Uh, but no, his whole thing of, like, we, we need you, come home. And he's like, I, I don't want to. And Precisely. Do, I, I, you might have to remind me, because I don't recall. Do they actually tell you why he doesn't want to go home because he doesn't think he has any responsibility to taking the throne of atlantis yeah it's it's due to his uh, how his mother left him upon his human father's doorstep so he doesn't feel a real connection to it okay uh, to, yeah. to his people because he never really interacted too much with them before it seems like before this and even then i can 
I can at least assume that he probably wasn't well, well received him being a half human amongst the land. Yeah, and that actually does carry over to the Aquaman movie. I see. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, the implementation, um, it does kind of come out of nowhere, but it's not the worst. It it works for what's going on, and it does play into his overall like, man, it's not my problem kind of thing. But then he slowly realizes that uh, you know responsibility man, it is needs my to problem. be taken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very quickly um it's also in this same uh chapter our first major difference uh in the snyder cut that being uh steppenwolf in his grand appearance on themiscira due to the mother box um awakening um which at this point we're not quite sure what the mother boxers are for all we know is that they are some kind of artifact that uh from superman dying have awakened and uh steppenwolf shows up and says i'm gonna steal that rubik's cube and uh he is causing a brand rubik new cube. look mm-hmm. you know what his look i like how more alien he looks his body's a bit weird well, a bit weird over shape and i do kind of like mm-hmm. the living armor he's wearing though it is not really explained or really brought up um, but mm-hmm. I really, and this is going to be a very common theme for the rest of the review, uh, better than the theatrical version. <laughs> the, that's the response oh, yes. I'm going yeah, to be given for most of it. He he rocked this time around. He actually had a character arc that besides of mother, mother, mother. you called me mother. <laughs> the the redesign with all like the spikes and stuff is really cool. I I wish he was a little more colorful though. The 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 bland gray is a bit samey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's a little monochromatic i would have appreciated it if he had instead of gray it was more on the black kind of uh palette and he had little accents of red kind of like in uh the comics yeah because he's wearing like the edgelord armor in uh the mm-hmm. comics more often than not but i i don't know how you would really color this design without it looking a little yeah. wacky fair i don't know but I do like, like the design. I just wish it popped a little more. Oh yeah, it's a it, it's definitely improvement. Doesn't look as generic, and it's also a fantastic scene to show what he's capable of. Because uh, following his entrance, we also get a fantastic uh, chase sequence with him trying to get the mother box from the uh, can, uh, Amazons. Can can we uh, take a step back and appreciate how much more brutal he is in this movie? Yeah, he has more yes. time to be. This movie in general is just more brutal. Oh, yeah. Holy crap. People are getting just chopped in half. The fact that taken he just off. cuts Amazons down gets to me every time. Yeah, he's, yeah. I, I do like how more visceral the movie is. It kind of fits with the whole Zack Snyder theme, which is another yeah. common thing we'll bring up is how it fits Zack Snyder's vision of the universe. Mm-hmm. Also, um, the parademons in this movie look so much better. Oh, they're they, so much more. They're so much more of an actual force in this one. Did they change the design of the parademons? Yeah, they did a little bit. It's very minute changes, but it's def. I can definitely tell because okay. <laughs> I think I, they also gave the parademons an extra rendering pass because I did notice that uh, they seem like they're implemented better into the footage. They don't look so PS2 graphics kind of yeah. era. <laughs> Is it? You know? uh, no, that's. I'll bring up about that later because that's not in this chapter. 
Mm-hmm. But they mentioned stuff uh, about the Speaking Pyridemus. of chapters, let's go on ahead and go to part two, titled The Age of Heroes. Wonder Woman has her completely unrelated bomb uh, disposal mission in London, which, cool sequence. Not going to mm. deny that, even though the slow-mo, if, if you have a problem with Zack Snyder abusing that effect in his movies, you are going to hate this sequence well, because... This movie in goodness. general is not for you if you do not like slow-mo. Yeah. No, in fact, actually, I thought that this scene, um, I'll be completely transparent, I actually thought it was uh, executed better in the Whedon cut. It was paced better. The slow-mo was only there for a few shots to really accentuate the action going on. And uh, Wonder Woman also doesn't cause huge amounts of collateral damage just to kill one guy. Well, I mean, kind of. <laughs> she still blows up the room. She just gets the hostages out first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, mm, I don't know. It's, uh, I think Zack mm. Snyder got all the slow-mo out in this one go. No, there's much more. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they, no, it doesn't stop there. It really the doesn't. The entire character of the, the Flash is basically slow-mo the character. <laughs> Which, yeah. I mean, there it's a little more natural, at least True. with him. But no, it just got uh, really annoying with other characters. It's just like, okay, look, sa- save this for the Flash. Just, just do it for him. He makes sense. It's just obnoxious when it's, you know, constantly with everybody else. That's something else I have to talk about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, but Wonder Woman has a pretty neat introduction scene. Like you said, it's kind of unrelated to the plot at large. Uh, it's more just to show what she can do. I guess if we're mm. going to be complaining about the runtime, I could say this scene probably could have been cut without changing too much. Because you see a lot more yeah. of her later kicking ass. Yeah. Although that scene with the automatic weapons and they, she's just like running in front of all the hostages blocking it. I, I have to admit that was a pretty good one. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. And admittedly, it does show that... Um, She's, you know, getting herself back out into the world uh, again, because up until Batman versus Superman, uh, she was kind of secluding herself. Unless we count Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I skipped that So one. it's nice to see that in this movie, it's like trying to take a extra character step showing that she's accepted the fact that she, with her abilities and her stance as a hero, she should be out there more and helping the general public, which is something that, you know, she wasn't doing up until BVS. So it's a neat little character step if you think about it, but it's also not a very apparent one either so you really only get that unless you've been following the character up until that point mm-hmm. and it also mm-hmm. gets muddled because wonder woman came after batman versus superman so naturally it's yeah but it's a prequel mm-hmm. yeah it, it is a prequel but uh that whole character thing of like accepting the fact that she should be involved more you only get that until after you see both of those films, which many people, they saw it in the order it was released. So right. it gets mm-hmm. a little muddled. If I'm not mistaken, both Justice League and, and Wonder Woman came out the same year. 
Did they? I think so. I think so. Really? 2017? I think yeah. Wonder Woman came out in the beginning of the year, just came out in, like, the fall. Okay. Late summer, early fall, yeah. Well, in uh, Chapter 2, Wonder Woman is called into action. Her uh, Amazonian sisters, uh, through a very overly long uh, lighting of the arrow ceremony, which could have yeah. easily been trimmed down, like in the Whedon cut. Isn't that like a full, uninterrupted minute of them, like, preparing the arrow and, like, slowly handing it over and then, like, Yes, and it's all just dead air that we don't need to see. It was actually making me think, wow, I'm starting to see where the runtime comes from. He's just literally using all the material he shot. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It could have just been she sees the news bulletin of, like, the temple mm-hmm. burning and just goes straight there. Yeah. And then, of course, after uh, she sees the, the temple burning, uh, that's a signal that, oh, you gotta go check something out. And she goes into these catacombs and finds some, like, ancient hieroglyphs, uh, which, you know, reference um, the forces of apocalypse and uh, big mad lad himself, Darkseid. Is this when we get the flashback war? or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's later on that uh, she meets up with uh, Bruce Wayne and gives the full Dark Souls five-hour-long lore dump. That being that uh, the forces of Apocalypse are led by a being named uh, Darkseid. Decent enough sequence. I mean, it has a very... Uh, Lord of the Rings or 300. Yeah. Oh, very yeah. Lord of the Rings, yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of vibe going on as it establishes mm-hmm. that Atlanteans, uh, humanity, and Amazonians uh, fought together in order to fight off the forces of uh, Apocalypse. As um, well as a single Green Lantern, which, yeah. uh, as opposed to most of the other references that are kind of essential to the plot, it's just a neat mm-hmm. little nod, because I think that's the Green Lantern that eventually gives his ring to Hal Jordan. No. Is it? It's not. No. Yeah, he because Darkseid showed up just murders him. Oh, I forgot and he his dies ring flies in that. off. Y- yeah, he gets his hand chopped off. Okay. Yeah, Which Darkseid was the like first reminder, oh him. yeah, for some reason this cut is rated R. Yeah. There's just a lot of, like... <laughs> I think he uses the same blood splatter effect every time someone gets hit. I would be yeah. dishonest if I said I didn't like this scene and how pff, fucking over the top it is. Just silly. <laughs> it's, Lord, it's, it's Lord of the Rings on drugs. You know, just yeah. okay. with like no setup. Okay, so, okay. by the way, the five armies are gathered. Let's fight these things. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was... I don't know if it was truly necessary, but I, I kind of dug it. And oh, yeah. also, uh, Zeus and Ares are there, too. Are they? Yes. Oh! Okay. Yeah, it was nice to see Ares uh, do something at least kind of helpful for the rest of the world before he yeah. turns into an asshole in Wonder Woman. I, I, had, a hard, mustache. I had a hard time picking mm-hmm. out characters in that shot, just because there was so there, much there was a going lot. on. I think Ares is the one who actually... Um, Puts his axe into Dark Side. Okay, into his chest. Yes, see that. Yes, it is. That makes. I thought more it was sense. just a human hero. Because I thought, yeah, like no, that was Ares. I I that didn't explained. see a lot of like big names in that. So my first viewing, I just assumed it was just 
And then everyone came together and took down a new god. Yeah. Yeah, can can I also offer my big uh you know, little problem uh <laughs> with uh with the sequence um and this mainly comes from the fact that I'm talking mainly because oh, I know who Darkseid is from mm -hmm. source material. Mm -hmm. Wow, they did Darkseid dirty in this in terms of like, you know, adapting him to the big screen. He gets bodied. I mean, Murder. body <laughs> I mean, he doesn't get a chance to do anything ever like his entire inclusion might as well have been set up for a sequel that we're never gonna get now oh yeah though well then i like his design yeah, his design's he cool he looks pretty all right he, he's pretty i mean you can accurate. tell it's it's from the it's from the the snyder verse but i think it's a decent compromise between uh you know adapting how he looked in the comics, but also not making him look like a Lord of the Rings troll. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He actually, you can important. pick out that he is Darkseid. He looks oh, yeah. like Darkseid. Oh, definitely. Whereas with Steppenwolf, I, I mean, well, I mean, it doesn't help that Steppenwolf, not the most, you know, iconic of villains well from DC. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I couldn't tell that that's Steppenwolf. Yeah. You I mean, know, he's got the horned helmet, I guess, but that's like usually all he has going for him yeah but sometimes he just looks like a guy with a cloak that's the that's the confusing part depending on the he's got you know, the, the wonder woman about. Ares thing where he just looks so much like a regular dude in armor that when you see mm -hmm. close-ups of his face in the comics like it doesn't like this is a main character yeah <laughs> uh and then of course we get a little more action with uh jason momoa's uh aquaman obviously which if i'm not mistaken is where he uh pulls that guy from the shipwreck and then finally decides ah, i guess i'm gonna go to atlantis now after i drink a whole bottle of whiskey mm-hmm and then say it's on the guy I just saved. <laughs> then, then we have another full, like, minute-long shot of him just walking into the ocean where people are singing. Yes. Yeah. Uninterrupted. Though, speaking of singing, I, I will admit, for the most part, I did prefer the Zack Snyder OST. <laughs> I, it wasn't trying so hard. I agree. I don't know. I, it, was, it wasn't it, as in your face. I think with certain songs, they just kind of come out of nowhere and like they fit the tone of the scene, but like they don't fade in. So it's like full volume right from the start. Fair. No, I gotcha. And there is a uh, particular guitar piece that does that later on. <laughs> yeah. And I forget if it's in this chapter where also Steppenwolf shows up to uh, Atlantis to take their mother box. This is also where we see a little more of how Atlanteans apparently uh, communicate. Uh, something I found interesting was that that was a detail that was obviously not present in um, the Whedon cut. But uh, apparently mm -hmm. Atlanteans have weird dolphin speak. And uh, if they want to speak actual English, they have to form a air bubble. Uh, in order to have a conversation, whereas in the Aquaman movie, uh, which granted was going off of the Whedon cut, uh, they just talk underwater. And I just found that to be a odd additional step in terms of how they work as a people 
I suppose. Eh. I don't know. Also noting, Apocalypse says mind-reading spiders. So do with that what you will. Yes! I'd rather not. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'd rather uh, not give that any definitely... more thought than I already have. <laughs> They'll see your thoughts. Ugh. Yeah. When, when that was happening, I, I totally thought for a second that the spider was going to go into the... Uh, the, the guy's mouth, because obviously, you know, Stephanie, yeah. if he captured him, he's like, I know that you have secrets and I need them. But no, it just clamps onto his head and then just reads his mind, which I'm like, oh, thank God. Thank you for not being too Zack Snyder with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, at least uh, at least their bodies don't explode with spiders. Look, different subject now. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think... Let's see, what chapter are we on now? Two. Uh, we are moving on to three, three now. Okay. Chapter three is our introduction to two very big characters. One, uh, the first one in the order of appearance, being none other than the mad lad himself, Barry Allen. Uh, and can I just say that uh, I, I actually thought that for someone like Flash... Uh, that was a very effective scene to introduce him with. Mm -hmm. Yes, I will I completely do. agree. Mm -hmm. If you uh, want to have a scene that captures like the core of what a character is about as a person, uh, that is a prime example of that. It does it so quickly without it being so explicit. Just the, the scene where like... He sees the crash coming, turns around, and just, like, nudges the window, and then it just evaporates. Yeah. That was, that's, that's a visual. Like, that's a good that's visual. Pretty, that's pretty baller. Yeah, I want to I wanna say that I enjoyed Barry a lot more in this movie than the theatrical cut. Because yeah. I'm a big Flash fan. I love the Flash, and I thought this did him so much better. Mm -hmm. like more justice than the theatrical they I, made him a lot less awkward yeah he's still awkward don't get me i mean wrong. yeah but that's just his character he's socially awkward i don't know Fair, I, but it's, it's not a, the annoyance it's a sincere kind of awkward you know it, what i mean it also depends on the on which flash it is too yeah well this is barry well yeah, this is like a barry pretty Allen. young barry like usually yeah. barry's an adult He's like what nineteen? I think they say in this. Yeah, he's like a Holy young adult God, really? in this one. Yeah, because I mean, he's getting jobs walking dogs and stuff. Like, yeah. it's like saying Jotaro Kujo from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is a sixteen-year-old high schooler. You okay, look at that look. man, and he is a man. We'll have an episode that about 16. that. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I that will come. Kind of disagree, at least a little bit. And I don't know if it's just, like, the direction or maybe the new tone of this cut. I, I felt he his, like, general goofiness just made him feel out of place. I mean, it was it was a lot worse than the actual cut. I just feel like in, in this, they took away some very important scenes that they should have taken away. Uh a very important one being the part where he tells Batman, hey man, I don't I don't really fight people. I, I just push him around. Yeah. That taking I mean, away scenes like that, I think helped him. I do agree, but 
that also gets rid of one of his the better lines from the original film, which is just save one person and then you'll know. But as a counterpoint to that, that line was said right after that incredibly goofy line. That is true. And I am made it, which, very thankful they cut out all the references to brunch. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's real nice I knowing that uh, Joss that. Whedon spent, uh, well, he didn't spend it. He was commissioned $100 million, but $100 million essentially so that he can go into different scenes and add in lines like, like, what, what is brunch? You, you wait in line for an hour, and by that point, uh, quotable for all the wrong reasons yeah yeah but no um in terms of like how flash's introduction scene was done uh i'm looking at it and i'm like oh man dude they they they, they should like maybe do this little detail and one of the things um that i was thinking was oh what what if he just puts his hand right up to the window and it just shatters. Oh, okay, that happened. Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. Okay, so now he's out there and he's looking at, um... She had a name, and I only know this because I looked up the cast. I think uh, that's Iris. supposed to be Iris, who is eventually is, yeah, his wife. Yeah, that is Iris. Oh! Cool. Well, at least the character, not the actor, obviously. Yeah, right, right. Uh, and then, of course, he's out there, and earlier on it was established that the truck that caused the accident also hit a hot dog stand, and uh, hot dogs are also airborne along with Iris, and I'm like, you know, I, th th this is Zack Snyder we're talking about, so I don't think it's going to happen, but it'd be really funny if he did something with the hot dogs. And then the camera pans to the left, focuses right on the hot dog. I'm like, oh, Oh, wait, hang on. Is he going to... Oh. <laughs> and he grabs the hot dog and puts it in his pocket before he saves her. And then, um, because he was applying for a dog uh, store sort of uh, dog job, place. Yeah. he, as, as a cover for what just happened, he zooms back over to the opposite side of the room huddles around a bunch of the uh, dogs and then uses the hot dog and feeds it to them. It's just like, oh yeah, I've been over here just, you know, cuddling with these dogs. Wow, that was weird. The, I start Monday, right? The way that scene was shot, I was dead ass like, wondering if they were just gonna straight make one of those hot dogs fly into Iris's mouth or something stupid like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I didn't get that silly. But, no, I, yeah. I think that was an appropriate level of silly. It honestly got to the core of what Barry is all about. Yeah. Now, of course, he ain't the only newcomer within this chapter, because we are also given the full, uncut rundown on another guy by the name of Victor Stone, or, as he goes by in the film, Cyborg. Now, we're going to talk a lot, and we already kind of have, about uh, scenes that may or may not have needed to be in this cut. To, to save on time i think mm -hmm. every single thing they added for cyborg is like real good mm -hmm. yes he didn't get a lot to do in the original cut and i think they give him probably the most character focus of anyone besides oh, that yeah wolf. but true yeah <laughs> that's very true we'll of course get into that real shortly uh, no, I think it was actually a smart move 
to uh because technically speaking cyborg uh the way he became cyborg was because he was in a uh, car accident uh with his mom uh and his dad a phenomenal scientist used the power of the mother box to uh reassemble him and uh bring him back to life given that he is a creation of the mother box and you know the mother boxes are kind of the token MacGuffins of the movie i think it mm-hmm. was actually a very smart move to in a way make him and his dad like the emotional core of the movie mm-hmm. because you know what he goes through in terms of an arc it's phenomenal mm-hmm. honestly it's it, it, it's him that when i say as a movie i think it actually is remarkable in areas um he's one of them oh yeah everything and they did in terms with him of how you get some vast improvement yes because they and of did course, things with uh, the way that that pays off later on i'll get into once we get to that chapter because ooh, it comes full circle and i think it's uh brilliant actually i was worried they kept cutting to his dad for just randomly throughout the film but th- yeah no there is good payoff for that oh yeah his dad kind of teaches him that uh you know, okay, look, you may not fully be yourself the way you were before, but with how you are now, there is a big upside to it. You can do a lot of good. You just need to understand that there's responsibility with it, which I thought for a second, because I mean, he's, he's saying things like, oh yeah, you can crack any firewall and oh, by the way, also access the entire planet's nuclear arsenal. (laughs) Which yeah. really made me wonder how in the God's name he knew all that. <laughs> they never really explained like know. how his father figured all that shit out because this was kind of new to him too. I mean, I'm assuming because he was researching the mother box so much that through application he just figured out what it is theoretically capable of mm. doing. You know, that's a fair point. And then since it was now. merged onto Victor, he's like, mm-hmm. well, shit, you can do anything this thing can do perfect and i honestly uh, i want to stress before we move on to the next chapter i think these two characters have the best payoff in the entire movie i, I, I can't wait to describe how i feel about cyborg's little thing at the end cyborg's a, yes a bit like he's a bit broody a bit edgy but i think out of all the characters his is the most justified Mm-hmm. P- plus it's just the perfect arc yeah <laughs> but I'm getting excited for something we're about to, we're going to do later, so I, I will end it there. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is also in this uh, chapter he has a little interaction with Wonder Woman. You know, much like what his father was uh, telling him to do: uh, use your quote-unquote gifts for good. Uh, the conflict with that, of course, being that uh, he does not view his mechanical body as a gift. He finds it to be more of a curse you're real good at making monsters aren't you dad Mm -hmm. and you know that's the other thing there are some pretty good lines i think this is uh zack snyder's better script of uh, the Mm -hmm. different movies that he's had a hand in writing um Mm -hmm. it has its its you know plot holes and it's like major faults here and there but he's got some good dialogue here and there and i like how it's dramatic but it's not 
overtly dramatic and stuff like that. And once again, kind of that like nice middle ground that works for what this universe was trying to do with the movie. Yeah, it didn't help that in the theatrical version, he was just moody. Yeah. And I mean, I was a little worried because, uh, you know, naturally Wonder Woman says, oh, you need to help save the world. And his response, almost as if it was coming out of the mouth of an edgy, like, middle schooler, fuck the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got flashbacks to, uh, fuck Batman. Is that the first F-bomb in the film? Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. I think it's actually, in terms of the core movie, the only one. Uh, there is another one later on, but that's extra footage. True. Yeah, I, I, in the one segment later on, that's they use that a lot more. But you, I, I can't remember if there are any others. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, then what we have is uh, chapter four, and is in this where uh, suddenly. Uh, things are getting a little uh, desperate for the uh, forces of apocalypse. They are uh, resorting to uh, kidnapping in order to find information on the mother box. And it is also in this chapter where uh, Steppenwolf comes to a realization. After, of course, we get some uh, little indicators as to why he's so hell-bent on being a big, uh, big bad guy. Uh, and as it turns out, it's because... He has a Napoleon-esque inferiority complex. He apparently owes a debt to Darkseid because at some point he went behind his back and betrayed him. Mm -hmm. And for that, he apparently has to conquer, at least at the time of uh, the movie's timeline, 50,000 more worlds. Dear God, that's a big debt. <laughs> And I can that see why he's like so... That's something Darkseid would do, though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, straight up what Darkseid would want and of someone. Again, I'm not entirely sure if this this film specifically, aside from lines like that, really tell you the full scope of what Darkseid is capable of. But, mm -hmm. yeah, like, that's... that's I would definitely... love to know what Steppenwolf actually did. That's one thing that annoyed me. Like, they kept saying, you betrayed Darkseid once, you have to repay your debt. But, like... He's so loyal throughout the entire film. I, what would make him betray him? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like if they made him a little more conniving or like, oh, Darkseid will never find out I'm doing this. Then I'd be like, oh, OK, I can see how someone like him would go behind somebody's back. But like no, Starscream. we don't get that. He's like, I, yeah, I conquered like the land. I've conquered the planet that Darkseid could not. I am better than him or something. And, like, that's his real motivation. Though, that is something that kind of confused me. Maybe you guys know the answer. How come Darkseid has never come back? Like, did he just get stomped once and then just say, fuck this, fuck this game? He gear? was scared. So, they actually do kind Damn. of bring that up. Because uh, they mention Earth has no guardians. Mm -hmm. And I think they mean, like... They don't have uh, a superpowered being. They clearly they know Superman is dead because they specifically mention Kryptonians and lanterns. Fair. Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess they're just like monitoring it to some degree, and they know like who the big players are, but not enough mm -hmm. to know everyone. Uh -huh. Yeah. 
we do have a bit of a conundrum, though, with that thought process of theirs. If uh, they are now invading Earth because Superman is now dead, which means their mightiest protector is gone, why didn't they come back before Superman was there, considering the thousands of years gap? Apparently, good question. No, no, that's a good question. I have no clue. <laughs> Again, I think it's just, well, it's part, it's the one world that fought back, so they, they need to recuperate for a while. And it's part, uh, they were still worried that, like, strong enough people were there. Because, actually, that might be a good point, too. When, uh... You mentioned, like, Ares and Zeus and people were in there. We know Ares has been defeated in Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. So I think fair. they were yeah. just waiting for a lot of chess pieces to come off the board. Yeah, fair enough. I wish yeah, the we haven't seen Zeus yet, so True. we don't know where he's at. I don't know if they know Shazam's on this planet, but... <laughs> Shazam. Oh, God, Shazam is a thing. <laughs> uh you know that's a movie where uh i'm i'm actually kind of glad wasn't in the uh, quote-unquote snyderverse because i i don't want to i don't even want to think about a Zack snyder interpretation of uh shazam because oh, no. a shazam was actually a very wholesome movie first off it was a good movie yes and also uh, you know that they would really want to play up the whole childhood trauma of oh, Billy Batson. Right, the perfect edgy teenager. Fuck Superman. I'm the strongest. <laughs> Oof. No, but kind of going back into what could have been done to better Steppenwolf's uh, involvement, uh, and also continuing on some more revelations, it is in this chapter... That uh, Steppenwolf uh, is given a vision, and in this vision, he determines a heavily sought-after uh, element uh, that Darkseid had been uh, searching across the galaxy for is quite literally ingrained into the surface of the Earth. That being the fabled anti-life equation. And naturally, uh, this catches the attention of Darkseid, causing him to uh, appear before Steppenwolf. Of course, not in person, because, you know, he's just too good for that. Uh, no, he does it through his weird, goopy mirror thing that Steppenwolf uses throughout the movie. Uh, and naturally, he's like, if I get the anti-life equation, will I, I, I uh, be noticed by you, senpai? And he's like, yeah, um, take it. And, yeah, that, that'll make me happy and all that. And where I would have thought would have been cool is if Steppenwolf kept that to himself and only at the right moment uh, did he tell Darkseid, oh, hey, the anti-life equation is here. I think he should have uh, said that as a means of leverage, saying, hey, listen, I'm going to have me the anti-life equation, and uh, you better lift me off my debt. I don't know. I don't think that was... I, I, I agree that would have been cooler. But I think just based on what we see of his character, he looks like such a loyal lapdog. Well, I guess what Ian's saying is to play in the whole you betrayed me once thing. That's true, but it, from to what To give it's, him more of a character, too. It, what it sounded like 
from the interaction between him and that holographic ghost, where the heck that guy, whatever the heck that guy was, it sounded like he didn't like directly betray Darkseid in the conventional Starscream way, but betrayed him in the fact that he tried to do something on his own to help Darkseid, but it ended up backfiring. Because I remember, I I remember Steppenwolf saying, "Hey, I was only going after these guys to help Darkseid." Oh, and perhaps so, he overstepped his boundaries. It's kind of, and it, I think it makes sense in the fact that he did it kind of here again. He saw the anti-life equation. He's like, you know what? Hey, you know what? This is for dark side. I know where the anti-life mm-hmm. equation is. I'm going to let him know. That no, being I said, it. I have some problems with that scene. It, it, less the execution, well, I guess kind of the execution, more the implications. There are so many like details that just straight up come to people in dreams in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, that, that's just the DCEU. It's a weird running theme, and like they they never explain that there's a reason for it. So it's just like people realize shit in dreams. Oh, but it's clever because it'll show up later. Uh... The, the, the thing is, they had so little uh, setup. Now they only want to do setup. <laughs> yeah, and initially it kind of pissed me off that they name dropped the anti life equation. And then never once tell you what it is or why Darkseid wants it. Uh, they do say oh, no, they why did. he wants it. He he said why he wants it, but it was also explained what it does. Uh, he says, uh, if I get the anti-life equation, that will allow me to control the will of every living being in the galaxy. Oh, was that it doesn't line? really say how. Yeah, well, because the thing is, he's clearly, like, super powerful and clearly conquered a lot of worlds, so I I was just confused. It, granted, I'm a comic book fan, so I know what the anti-life equation is, but the movie mm-hmm. doesn't really explain the importance of it in the same way that, no. like, the Infinity Stones are important. I I suppose not. It probably could have used a little more elaboration. It it was almost kind um, of a throwaway, a considering everything else that we have in this movie. <laughs> yeah, but because yeah, it never it's comes into one play. Of those things where the the DCEU it just has a thing for like going. Oh, you 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 know that thing, you know. Like the there's a super dangerous weapon that like the big bad guy is after on this planet, and the good guys never find out about it. No. Yeah, they really don't. It's, I mean... <laughs> like, it's such an afterthought. It really mm-hmm. is. It's it, The only reason, really, is to get Darkseid involved. Yeah. That's the real reason. We, uh, we have ourselves uh, another major uh, action scene in this chapter as well. Uh, the Justice League has its first full, well, almost full, uh, we'll get into that later. Uh, full team scuffle with Steppenwolf uh, in the underground uh, tunnels in Gotham City. Mm-hmm. Uh, not before, of course, we have a neat little scene where uh, Commissioner Gordon, who, by the way, I completely forgot was played by J.K. Simmons. And in the little time he has, I think he actually makes for a decent uh Look. Commissioner Gordon. I'm all for putting mm-hmm. J.K. Simmons in more comic book movies. Yes. Yeah. And you know exactly why. Yes. Spider-Man. Because eventually he has a temper tantrum about how he needs more pictures of Spider-Man. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. He He's mm-hmm. a great personality. Even in the short Type amount cast. of time he has. Mm-hmm. Nah, but the, uh, the action scene, I mean, uh, I remember that one being like, ah, you know, 
there's neat little bits of it, uh, speaking, of course, from the theatrical cut, but some of it felt a little uh, wooden, a little clumsy in terms of how they actually choreographed some of it. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of it came from Batman, because like, you have a couple of the parademons like, throwing him around and all that, and you have him like, do a move where he kicks one through a door, and then he grapple gun kicks it out onto a catwalk and the the implementation of cg uh you can tell that ben affleck probably had difficulty telling what exactly he's kicking where it is and how much he should be exerting in order to actually make it look decent mm-hmm. and uh yeah an area's a little wonky but I think overall, it's also a good showcase of how, uh, while they still have their kinks to work out, uh, they are coming together as a team pretty well. And actually, Barry is a hell of a lot more useful in this. Oh, yeah. He really is. He knows, like, this is a huge difference between, uh, I guess, like, Justice League and this one. Barry (laughs) understands his powers completely in this movie. He doesn't have oh, to yeah. figure out anything. Like, he just knows everything he needs to know about his powers. Yeah, something I really liked about this rendition of the fight is Cyborg's reaction to his father about to get murked. Because yes. in, in the old version, he's just like, oh, okay. And he you know, he goes to shoot Steppenwolf. In this one, he, he gets angry. He rips off the bars. And it, it shows that he still kill, cares for his dad, mm-hmm. you know? I oh, really yeah. like that little thing. It, it really showed a little bit, you know? There's, there was emotions involved in that little tin man made of CGI. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing, too, of the team itself is able to do more damage to Steppenwolf than I feel the theatrical cut showed, because in the original version, it looked like Wonder Woman was the only one capable of even hurting him. <laughs> but yeah. in this one, they all got some pretty good licks in. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Batman isn't making awkward humor one-liners that Batman should never say. <laughs> Thank God, because I'm I. There were plenty of times where I was watching the theatrical cut and going, "Why would you give dialogue like that to Batman?" Yeah, it was a bit silly, you know? especially this Batman, who again not too long ago Mercs. was fucking branding people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the Batman with a with a you know fifty cal on his you know back card. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, overall, just uh, as a little side thing, I like what they did with Batman as well. I thought I feel like it was a lot more useful this time around. Just a lot more, you know, active. Yes. Oh yeah. And he still got slapped around, but I mean, it's kind of his thing for the most part. He looks at what, look at what he's fighting. But I also like how he wasn't just like the sole reason anybody was doing things. Yeah. You know, they had some personal stake in it. They stressed a little bit more about the point how Steppenwolf, you know, killed the Amazons, and you know why. Well, I uh, Wonder Woman was more, you know, she had more skin in the game, it felt. And of course, yes, Cyborg just didn't like him because he was about to kill his dad. So is this when they, uh, they they full on mention when like what happens when all three mother boxes come together? Because I believe so. I don't remember. And if it wasn't at the end of this one. It's at the beginning of our next one that we'll skip on into in just a second okay i'll i'll save my points for when we go into there because uh there's there's a neat little detail i i thought was pretty cool 
that I don't Overall, remember. I thought the, the fight scene was very well done. I, I do feel like the uh, the introduction of Aquaman is a little bit awkward. Well, he comes in after the fight. Like, it, it's like <laughs> yeah. they mention briefly before the fight, like, what are we under right now? Oh, that's the Gotham River or whatever. And then, yeah, then at the end, like, he shows up and, like, the only real thing that he does is stop them from drowning. But if yeah, they for a little bit, but apparently glove, that much water is too much for him. But if they weren't yeah. under the river, then he literally would have no reason to be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he'd have to come in on a, uh, on a fucking, Scooter. like... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like the idea that he comes in on like a uh, a, a a um fishing company's uh pickup truck or something like that. Yeah, shite. I'm here guys. I'm ready to kick some ass and take some na- Oh, okay. One of the Avengers did that, They're didn't they? Here. Where like Banner just shows up in like a moped. <laughs> That's yes, the original that was Avengers. The, movie. Yeah. the first one, yeah. Jesus. Mm-hmm. But but overall, but just better in general. Yes, much better. Much, much better. Transitioning on into our next uh, chapter. This one, ominously called All the King's Horses. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is the one where we get our big indicator of uh, who's going to fill that final spot on the Justice League roster, and that's Soups himself, the team after going through a little uh, cyborg, um, like, laser-projected history vision or whatever, which I don't know if it was really necessary for that to throw in the whole, oh, yeah, the, 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 the Nazis found it, and then it made its way over here. And uh, this is also where Cyborg goes into detail on how he came to be and all that. And uh, the team... Uh, after listening to Cyborg explain that the mother boxes essentially reorganize matter and reassemble it, mm. uh, should it be gone. So, for example, if a house is burnt down, the particles of said house are in the air. Uh, the mother boxes could take those particles and reform the house just the way it was. To which uh, it- a lot of light bulbs begin going off in people's heads when they realize, oh wait, let. Let's bring back Big Daddy Superman. Hey, at least they gave an explanation what the mother boxes do in this one. I really love the way they come to the conclusion they can bring back Superman. Because in the original cut, they just kind of guess it'll work. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I guess was Joss's way of, like, having some kind of uh, suspense of, like, oh, I I guess it might be a good idea, but... You know, mm-hmm. no, but in this, it's like a neat little projection of Superman that pops up on uh, on the mother box and he flies up and yeah, it, it's, it's much better executed. And then of course we get the operation of them breaking into, uh, the old Kryptonian ship that crash landed in, um, Man of Steel. And it was actually in this moment where I started realizing that, um, yes, there is humor in this movie. And it was the moment where Barry, he was uh, getting into a military uniform disguise. And he was talking to Aquaman and saying, okay, I got these two hats. Tell me which one works better, A or B. And he's like, uh, 
I don't know. Uh, show me B. I, I I think A is a little too much. And he's like, oh, okay, got you. He puts on B. Uh, Aquaman just kind of tilts his head and says, show me A again. <laughs> I it's little that things like that where it's just like, you know, I like the, the, the sort of like uh, dry sense of humor. It, it, it's a different mm-hmm. flavor uh, instead of the, oh, man, look at this wacky thing going on like in uh, Marvel. Uh, I kind of wish there were more moments like that in mm-hmm. this movie. Because this movie, despite being four hours long, is constantly in such a rush. Like, we, we don't get a lot <laughs> yeah. of team moments with everyone, except when they're fighting. Yeah. But that's a good, like, moment for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, you know, again... It's that whole thing where I was saying if what we're getting now, this kind of tonality minus the unnecessary dismemberment of limbs in earlier scenes and later ones, um, I thought that that would have been a nice middle ground in terms of tonality for the universe going forward. Mm -hmm. Because it's just like, okay, now they found their groove and all that. Uh, What's also different is uh, they, they, of course put together a plan as to how they actually reanimate uh, Superman. That being, they drop the mother box into this uh, liquid that they submerged Superman's body in. Mm-hmm. And the Flash zips through the hallway and shoots a electrical charge into the cube that would send the energy into Superman's body and, of course, reanimate him. And what I like is that the sense of tension that was in the theatrical cut was literally just some people saying, uh, this this is bad idea. It's not gonna... No, it won't work. Whereas in this one, there's actually quite a few factors. For one, uh, I believe it's Aquaman who says, well, if, if we use the mother box, the, the energy is gonna attract Steppenwolf and he can be here any minute. Like, do we even know if we can fend him off? Do we even know if it's going to, you know, have Superman back? Because if not, how are we going to stop him? And then, of course, he's just mm-hmm. like, no, let's 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 just do it. Let's just do it, do it, do it. And that came off as way more natural, especially because Cyborg gets a very ominous uh, vision of what is allegedly the future. Mm-hmm. And my God, it looks grim. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, more information coming to people in essentially dreams yes which is very odd and naturally it's just like oh no maybe they shouldn't do this but Mm -hmm. it is of course too late because soups is back and we get another interesting sequence where uh superman is back everybody's happy but he isn't quite himself He's forgotten a couple details, and uh, he's a little uh, on edge because of the uh, confusion of suddenly being back alive. Mm-hmm. We we get a sequence that, frankly, I wish almost was the rest of the movie from this point on. The Justice League versus Superman. Yeah, it was pretty badass. Not going. <laughs> yeah, another neat sequence. And... Uh, when it comes to Batman's part in the sequence, um, this was a little detail I forgot to, uh, go over, uh, in the previous chapter. Um, Batman 
earlier on in the movie, uh, well, more or less Alfred, if anything, as always, prissy boy Bruce Wayne having Alfred do all the work. <laughs> Don't you sit talk Alfred. <laughs> no, I feel for Alfred. I feel for him. You he better. puts up with too much shit. Um, he puts together a energy absorbing gauntlet for Batman to use as a extra defense mechanism and surprisingly showing the advancements in Batman's tech he though they do shatter and melt uh, to the point where he has to like throw it off because of how hot it is they withstand uh, Superman's heat vision <laughs> Mm -hmm. which I find a hell of a lot more dignifying for him instead of just being uh, bitch-slapped into a police car and then grabbed by the face yeah. and then complaining about how something's bleeding later on. Those those gauntlets give him a lot more to do like throughout the rest of the film, too. Oh, yes. A hell of a lot more, which was a big criticism I had of the first one. Batman has no business being... <laughs> <laughs> where the rest of the league are and to an extent he still kind of suffers from that in this but he does a hell of a lot more <laughs> he really does. especially in the later uh battle yeah neat little sequence and uh same as in the other one lois lane shows up and uh things become a little more clear and uh they mosey on off while the justice league sit there going well shit now what do we do but not before Steppenwolf shows up, as they feared, to go and get that mother box, which at some point was flung uh, out of the laboratory they were, or not laboratory, uh, the ship, uh, to which Cyborg's dad grabs a hold of, making the connection, oh, okay, so giant monster man is after the mother box. I gotta take that back to the lab and do something about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, to which we get a pretty tense scene where he's trying to do something with the box and you just see Steppenwolf tearing through the walls of the uh, lab to get to him. <laughs> oh, yeah, the scene where he's, like, working on his machines and stuff and you can just see through the clear glass, like, Steppenwolf is just approaching. Oh, yeah. It, it kind of, you know, has the same kind of... um. Uh, uh, tension that the later stages of, uh, and granted, you know, you're going to be getting this comparison a lot from not just me, but other people all over the place. Uh, the later uh, sequences of Infinity War, when Thanos is nearly completing the Infinity Gauntlet, and all of the characters are just doing their best to play keep away from him. Mm -hmm. Now, I really like the scene in which, uh, he he superheated the mother box because it, it it took me because uh, i thought for a second when he was originally doing it a cyborg's father wasn't he and he put it in the little chamber like is he trying to atomize it or something you know i thought he was going to blow it up and when nothing happened i'm like ooh, that's kind of you know kind of embarrassing but when cyborg pointed out he he superheated it to make it you know accessible through thermal vision i'm like that's actually pretty smart because they set that up earlier yeah. With the scene between Cyborg's father thought, and the researcher. I thought that was really stupid that they're like, no, of course you can't just destroy it. That This thing is way too powerful. What are you doing? But no, they, yeah, they do mention, like, how are we going to find him? We, we can't get anywhere. Like, we don't know where he is. 
Mm-hmm. And it was uh, it was a very well done scene because now there's a lot more emotional pull for Cyborg to get in and actually fight Steppenwolf and you know assault the fortress. Yeah, and what a death oh, too! Like just getting trapped in a room, just continuously diced by lasers. But I mean, it was ultimately the bravest thing he could do, and oh, what seemed at first to be a useless death turned out to be the saving grace that would save the the world. So yeah, I thought it was very well yeah, done and a honestly. very very nice addition. Oh, definitely. Again, just Cyborg, just like getting all these points. Well, Cyborg is like the best character in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, all these neat little uh, character moments. Mm-hmm. You know, all those things, and then finally, um, I believe either in the begin, uh, the end of this chapter, or the beginning of the next one, uh, Superman goes back to the Kent farm. Which is uh, up for uh, sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mama Kent sadly um, could not uh, maintain the farm and decided to just give it away. Which, by the way, I'm only just realizing now that I believe it was either the previous chapter uh, or perhaps another one before that. But there was actually a wonderful little scene with Martha Kent and Lois Lane. That actually preempted Lois to go to Superman's monument site literally seconds before he shows back up after being reanimated. Or was it? <laughs> well, we we have a neat little scene where Martha Kent is like talking about the struggles of having to keep, you know clark or rather superman uh secret you know saying things like i can't say that i'm proud of my son because to everybody else he's just ordinary you know i have to maintain that secret Mm -hmm. you know she mentions how lois hasn't been to work in a while and you know how clark likely would have wanted her to still do what she does best and all that and it's a neat scene and it's another thing of like man this is like a, a neat little uh, balance of drama, but also, you know, spectacle and humor every so often. And it's well written. And it's a hell of a lot better than uh, the Whedon version. <laughs> Overarching mm-hmm. theme here. It's a very human scene. Yeah, where in the theatrical cut, uh, they have this conversation, um, you know, <laughs> all goody-goody kind of attitude right after we have a news report where a woman uh, threatens fictional aliens about abducting her husband (laughs) and saying if they want to probe him they're going to have to go through her or some shit like that. mm. It makes you question why even simplify that. Yeah. Oh, but you know, it's too sad. You can't have that. But the weird weird bombshell that I still don't understand Mm -hmm. uh, that I find confusing is uh, apparently Martha Kent she leaves Lois's apartment room and we are given quite the uh, red pill in that uh, that wasn't Martha Kent it was a shape-shifting Martian (laughs) Manhunter yeah that kind of took a lot out of the scene honestly I mean, it was good yeah. for Lois. It was know, good for Lois, it's just but like, like, ah, but... He's just literally lying to her. Yeah. 
honestly, because, like, you're not just there for Lois, you're also there for Martha Kent, because, you know, she's Superman's mom. She goes through some shit, especially so, because, you know, she has to raise him and, you know, yeah, teach him everything personal, important in the world. All that personal stuff she brings up is just him kind of bullshitting. Yeah. yeah. And why he did it, we don't even know! Yeah, the Martian like, Manhunter was... why was that Martian Manhunter? <laughs> yeah, he was kind of unnecessary. Oh, you could have removed him entirely. Mm-hmm. Well, also, he's only in it's, two it's scenes, weird. but still. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's weird because also it's revealed that, uh... It's, it's the same, uh, general, military general guy from Man of Steel and, uh, BVS who was helping out Superman and Lois. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, he was Martian Manhunter this whole time? I am i don't know what that does in terms of like, oh, new perspective on the older movies and stuff like that. Because I'm thinking, but why? What does that do? <laughs> like, again, his... <laughs> All yeah, of these questions little... that I don't get answers for. It was a little jarring, this watch. I didn't know that was a pre-existing character, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I, he was a Man of Steel. I mean, I, I know that now, but, like, it, oh, the, the reveal that, was so that minor that it didn't register anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, gentlemen, we near the end. And I'm not going to mm -hmm. lie, this was a pretty solid climax. Oh, it was really cool. <laughs> it was really cool. Oh, yeah. So, uh, the big battle. Mm -hmm. takes place somewhere was it russia was it siberia I, czechoslovakia it was, i think it's like russia it, it was yeah russia. yeah because they mentioned it was a it was in an old nuclear silo ah uh, yes steppenwolf with his generic villain lines it's toxic it's good which yeah if that's the case it makes even less sense why there was just that random family living like Two miles down in the original. I'm so happy they were removed. Yeah, I was about to say that scene was a glorious, glorious example of a really good cut. Yeah. disgusting. We of course have the Justice League honing in on the center of this town, which has been made into a defense fortress for Steppenwolf. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not going to lie, in this one, it seems like Batman is much more coordinated this time around. Instead of just going like, ah, I guess I'm going to distract the parademons and kill myself doing it. They also do not but, yeah. at any point entertain the idea of letting him go through with that. <laughs> like the second that he runs right? towards them, they're like, no, fuck you. We're going with you. Oh, yeah. And yeah. not to mention how... Uh, in terms of how the team comes together in breaking the line, it's glorious. We have a fantastic shot where it's uh, the entire team where you got Batman the Batmobile, Wonder Woman flying through the air, Cyborg doing the same thing with like twin energy guns for arms, the Flash, you know, in a mid-sprinting pose, and Aquaman in like a, a leaping fuck yeah kind of pose. Uh, as they uh, do essentially a similar kind of slow motion sort of uh, action shot like in, um, I guess, Age of Ultron. Yeah. And fuck, it has some good payoff. That was warranted. It, that's a pretty good it shot. It works. It works. I feel like it was, it was actually kind of deserved. 
because while there wasn't a lot of building up between camaraderie, there was still enough to warrant this kind of moment. The the stakes were at least high enough too. Like this is their final push. Yeah, and of course we yeah. should mention the plan in which the plan is to get cyborg to hack cyborg into the mother cubes and separate them essentially to make sure the the unity does not achieve its goal of destroying everything all while batman single-handedly takes out the defenses of the fortress oh, yeah, that was something <laughs> uh, i brought i thought was interesting that they brought up uh if the the cubes come together and basically terraform the planet every living being becomes a parademon which yeah. brings some frightening uh implications for all of steppenwolf's minions yes um but no, oh, yeah, I will. Definitely. I will admit. I will admit with the scene where Batman says, "Hey, I got this." Essentially, and turns off the lights, the Batmobile, or to the, uh, the the ship they were in. Yeah, and just goes dark. I'm like, that's that's a Batman moment. That that captures the badass aspect of Batman. Oh hell yeah, perfectly. And I think that was probably the best thing they did with Batman. Honestly, was that scene, like individual yeah, moment. Yeah. It was it was very badass. Once again, I I feel like. Uh... If they really wanted to have him bring in the big guns, it would have been nice to see him return in his uh, BVS suit oh, that, that he used to badass. fight Superman. Because, ah, oh, fuck. I mean, imagine, like, uh, to be overly prepared, because, you know, that is Batman's thing. Uh, he, he, like, uh, has an airdrop. He hops into it almost like an Iron Man suit. And, uh, you know, Steppenwolf's charging at him, and he just catches his fist and then, you know, cocks his arm and then just punches him and shit like that. That would have been cool, just so he can hold his own against somebody like that. Even, you know, minimally, that mm -hmm. would have been, you know, something. So, to kind of summarize and uh, shorten the what I think about the final scene, I thought it was very, very well done, and was a perfect payoff to the other three hours of basically waiting for this, essentially. Um, it was just flashy enough. Just it was just it was very well done. It was very good. Is is this someone I'm saying? Oh yes. Speaking of flashy enough, uh, Scott, you had mentioned that uh, you really really liked the Flash, and um, yeah, you you want to talk about a team coming together and being absolute unit. That's grand and all, but uh, <laughs> in terms of what uh uh. The Flash brings to the table. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. And to just give some context, uh, what's essentially going on is in order to make the full separation, uh, Cyborg needs uh, the Flash to run as fast as he can, uh, maintain a consistent electrical charge, and then zap him to send a current into the uh, mother boxes in order to separate them. And what happens is one of the parademons accidentally, well, not accidentally, uh, one of the parademons nicks him and throws off his charge. And because of the amount of time that's passed, the, uh, the cubes uh, form the unity and begin terraforming. And Flash immediately begins his uh, super phasing. And, uh, well, Scott, what, what, what does he do? turns that time clock back <laughs> i i have some words but i know you you said you wanted to to paint the scene so scott please go ahead <laughs> we get a little bit of uh time traveling or rather 
the Flash reversing time to stop the terraforming and uh, basically a, an amazing sequence of him basically reversing time to uh, put, put Cyborg into the mother boxes. And it's the way that it's like shot is magnificent. Not to mention the soundtrack. I That is oh, one yeah. of the best tracks in the whole movie right there that's the that is my favorite scene from the entire movie it is is just that sequence is my favorite part it's like who the hell decided to take that out you know (laughs) yeah that's the thing they took it out just so the flash could say doisoyevsky i'm I'm starting i i feel a little bad because i hated that scene the flashpoint uh thing so like really I, I, I like the spectacle of it, but I don't think it was earned at all. Like I mean it's no? it's it's in kind of it's kind of in theme though with them blowing their load too soon, because that's a whole thing. That's so, the flashback. Yeah, here's the thing in basically in a single scene. Here's the thing. When you reverse time, that means, you know, like the, the stakes are pretty high, and I get that. But the way the scene is like it, at least the context behind it. If Flash didn't fuck up, he wouldn't have needed to travel back in time in the first place. And the fact that he can, the fact that's even an option, is never brought up once before this. Uh, It actually is. Uh, He had said before that he can run at a certain rate, but he tries not to. Because as he said, it gets a little dicey because of the energy feedback. And so it's this once where he's like, well, maybe that's what I have to do. And plus, also, Flash doesn't fuck up, which causes, you know, the team to essentially lose. What happens is, you know, things get stalled so long that eventually uh, one of the parademons uh, notices uh, how he can get a pot shot at him. And and he he figures out his rotation speed. He figures out uh, the rotation, and then he shoots ahead of Flash. Perhaps I should re-clarify. And again, I don't want to take the thunder away from the scene, because like I said, it it is definitely a spectacle. It's just... Uh, so Flash is removed from the fight for the entire scene, right? Like, when they're wailing on him... On, honestly, I... Uh, I, I kind of was taken out of it the second Superman came, because he also just kind of doesn't do much but just tackles him to the ground and just starts beating him and then everything happens at once it so it's like the the plan falls apart but then immediately comes back together like you don't get the all is lost moment because he changes it immediately maybe if they had let uh like the the like oh shit we lost happen a little longer then i i might have liked it a little more but i feel like it happened too quickly, maybe is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I, I completely... I agree for the most part on it. I really liked it for the spectacle. Um, In terms of Superman coming in, it was badass. I'm sorry, I loved it. I fan, I fanboyed over it. <laughs> it I, I, I it thought was it was much better timed, too, yeah. than the theatrical. Plus, it's, it's, it was... Something I will commend this for is the fact... I'm going to bring this... I, I've brought this up before, I should say. Is the consistency is a lot better. And that's because it's the director at the helm. So, 
And the Josh Whedon version Superman comes down and like, hey, I believe in truth. I believe in justice. And it's just it, – it's a bit too silly. It's a bit too much like the comics now and it's jarring. And this one, he comes down, stop. You know, the, the axe goes on to Superman's shoulder and he just looks up and says, not impressed. I'm like, you know what? It, it, it just fits the feeling a bit more. And I did like the fact that they still lost. It, oh, yeah. it was almost kind of refreshing. They lost, like no matter. They tried everything, and they and they still lost because of that moment in which the flash got shot and couldn't. Or it was not even technically flash's fault. They they waited too and long like, to get the boxes in. Uh, in this theatrical cut too, uh, they essentially won when Superman showed up. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. he shows up. It, it, it's it's over. It's over. There, there's no point of uh, Steppenwolf resisting because there isn't as much at stake by that point. Because in the Snyder Cut, there's the extra step of like, okay, yeah, Superman in the theatrical cut, he helps Cyborg separate it. But that's also because they took out the additional step of, oh, well, we need the energy from Flash to jumpstart that in order to, you know, actually put that into motion. In here... Superman showing up does not guarantee them victory. Cyborg still has to separate the cubes. And he requires the charge from the Flash. Superman is essentially just keeping Steppenwolf at bay, which was a bit of a problem earlier because he kept on flinging Cyborg around. Sorry, I'm just a massive Flash no, fan, I, so that yeah. I love the Flash too. <laughs> I think the problem is I wanted it to be bigger. Like I wanted his first time travel to be more than just like immediately fixing the one thing they messed up on well how i feel is they probably shot that scene so when they were gonna have a sequel that would have changed maybe something in maybe the, in the next movie yeah because uh, something that's also consistent are these visions of the future which is yeah. like yes technically we fixed it with that flashpoint you know reverse thing but something's but wrong Oh, that's something I hadn't considered. Yeah. Is that the catalyst for the Flashpoint? Yeah. Mm. Uh, okay, Maybe. if it that's was, what they're was, doing it with him. it, then I might be more okay with it. But Because they brought Superman back, which was one part of it. Yeah. And it was reversing time that allowed this to continue, essentially. And while the world may have been destroyed, because it looks like it was being destroyed when Flash was doing this whole scene there. Right. I mean, it allowed the future vision of Superman going bad to actually happen. Because it's it's one thing if you know if he just destroys the world. It's another thing if he's got Superman on his side. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's yeah. what they're trying to do with it. Though I can understand because this DCEU has a habit of blowing its load. Oh yeah, a <laughs> little bit. Honestly, I don't think they blew their load. I actually thought that because of the uh, pre-established rule that the Flash had, where it's like he could easily go that fast to where as he puts it, weird things happen. He chooses not to because in his experience of doing that, it had some downsides to doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for him to say, fuck it, you know what? I, I think the the problem with going that fast is going to be potentially what saves us. Mm-hmm. And I need to go as fast as I possibly can in order to essentially save the world. And I actually thought that that was earned for the most part, because also when he was uh, helping with reanimating um, Superman, he actually very briefly uh, turned the clock back because he was like a second too late. And he went so fast that the cube kind of rewound out of the the liquid that Superman was in so that he can time it just right. 
which granted kind of small but there was setup for it oh no yeah and, i get that uh, i guess in that... terms of the attitude towards it i actually thought that you know it was working and plus another line again in this Zack snyder script his whole thing of make your own future make your own past it's all happening right here oof mm. especially with uh and and I do feel bad because we missed out on this detail. Uh, he's trying to get into criminal investigation to potentially get his dad out of jail. And naturally, his dad wants him to do the best he can as a person. And he feels to do that, he needs to let go of him. But uh, Flash ain't having that. He's going to hang on and he's going to keep going. Here's the uh, here's the kicker, Ian. Mm. That's not the fastest the Flash can go. Well, okay, oh, yeah. I know. Look, that, that's comic shit, <laughs> and it gets to the point of being, like, past the point of ridiculous to the point of absolutely pants-on-head stupid. Yeah. Absurd. Mm -hmm. Speed Force is nuts. I will agree with Ian, and I, I want to transition that into what happens after with Cyborg, because both what happens with Cyborg and with Flash are basically, like, the best character arcs in the DC, essentially, in the DCEU. It's because with Flash, he says, you know, when he's saying, of course, hey, Dad, I'm, I'm, I am, you're right, I am one of the best, I, I'm doing the best I can. And that's, you know, him getting the confidence to do things like break the rules, for example. And with Cyborg, what happens when the, 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 he goes back in time, Cyborg's able to hack in because while he goes in time, he has the energy to bop it in, essentially. Mm -hmm. And he sees a vision of like the perfect family, his perfect family, he's back to normal, his father's there, his mother's there. And, you know, the visions are saying like, hey, you know, if you, you stop this, we can make you whole again. Essentially, you're broken, we can make you whole. He's almost like and being just... tempted by the mother boxes. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I probably one of my favorite moments in the entire film is him just looking up. It's like, hey, I'm not broken and I'm not alone. And I was and like, I love that. It was the it was just boom. It was perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just have to stress how good of a character art they actually had because they had character arcs, and I think that was really well done. Oh, definitely. Oh, mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah, those are. And honestly, really uh, it it uh, it got to a decent conclusion, uh, much better and much more earned than in the uh, Whedon cut. Of course, um, mm -hmm. right when you think it ends, it doesn't. Yeah, this is and where here... it just nose dives. And here's my least favorite yeah. part of the movie. <laughs> oh, yes. So, little info dump. Um, up until this point, throughout all the chapters, there was no extra footage that uh, Zack Snyder went out and shot in 2020 or 2021. The final 15 minutes after the epilogue title card comes up is, and it confuses me to this day, why it exists. I'm going to keep my thoughts on this very brief, so I'm just going to say Scott, do, do, do uh, you want to give us a little rundown on, uh, oh, or unless you want to keep it to your, uh, uh, unless we're talking about God, what I'm please. thinking we're I, I would love about. to hear your opinion. Uh, I let's, let's talk about we're talking about the nightmare scene, right? Ah, uh, yes. The nightmare scene, yes. The <laughs> grim future that came to be. That will never um, be. Let's hope so. <laughs> um, so, as brief as I can make it, so the nightmare sequence was basically when Darkseid invaded Earth and uh, basically terraformed Earth to become like Apocalypse, uh, like Deathstroke is like helping Batman, um, 
And Joker is in this as boy, well. Is he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy, oh boy. Mm. It is the Jared Leto Suicide Squad Joker is in this nightmare sequence and basically has this weird monologue that I cannot for the life of me remember. Um, and he's talking to Batman. He's like, oh, he's like prodding him like why couldn't you save her or something like that and he name uh, drops yeah, I, uh lois as you recall the lois is the key yeah mm. that was established in batman versus superman where he apparently had a nightmare of uh barry allen traveling back in time in some weird iron man suit saying lois is the key oh no i'm a little too soon and it's just yeah. like, ah, where is this going? Well, we'll never find out now. Mm-hmm. No, and it just confuses me because it's just like, well, first off, I, I was getting annoyed with it because I'm like, okay, well, now this is just becoming like self-indulgent pretentiousness. I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, look at look at what's going to happen now. Look at this it, dark and grim future that I'm putting forward. It's weird. It almost feels and, like fan fiction of his own material. Yes! Like, he wrote this <laughs> version of wonder, Justice League. What's the point of it being here? But then he wrote fan fiction for it. If it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless by some sheer miracle that Zack Snyder gets to do second movie. Yeah. And then, of course, the nightmare sequence subsides with uh, apparently an evil Superman showing up and the group um, preparing to battle him. Uh, God bless their souls. Deathstroke has a mullet. Oh, yeah. Deathstroke is there for some reason. Right after we saw a scene of Deathstroke going like, okay, I'm going to kill Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, Why are Jesse we Eisenberg, this? That was in the original cut, Dude. though. Yeah. No, yeah. there was a little added to it, but I think it was just like dialogue. Yeah. Look, like I said, I want to keep it brief. Please do. It ended. Yeah. It brief, brief. Yeah. It 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 was freaking perfect. They, you know, they when he re, when Cyborg reformed the tape that he broke, which his father left him a message, and you know, it was playing like, oh, hey, you know what? It's up to you. You could be hero. Yada yada yada. You know, good emotional pep talk, dad, dead dad stuff, and the you know he goes through and the, the moment Superman does the whole spread his shirt out to reveal the super thing, oh, p- perfect cut print done. <laughs> that would have been four a hours. Mm, perfect. Everything yeah. past that, waste. Don't give a fuck. Oh yeah, Martian Manhunter also shows up. Yeah, it does nothing. Oh yeah, waste. He, he shows up to say, "I'm going to be in a sequel." But and, he is yeah. waste. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yes. that's, that's what I thought. And the Joker thing, stupid as hell. Okay, cool. That's my thoughts. Jared Leto just doesn't play good Joker. It ended perfectly. End that it, there. Just, uh, in one sentence, it ended perfectly, and then it kept going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, honestly, I'd be interested in uh, just watching like a fan edit somebody puts together where they completely cut that, or at the very least, make it like a long-winded post-credit scene. The real Snyder cut. If you want to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not fucking four hours. Yeah, cut some Mm -hmm. of the fight scenes a little, maybe trim the fat on some of the unnecessary dialogue and just... Show us something that you said isn't four hours. I couldn't get over that the entire film. 
I think that's what mm-hmm. brought that me does. in such a bad mood the whole time is I just knew I kept I had like so much more to go and they never like they move forward at such a slow rate. Mm-hmm. That does beg the question: Do you guys uh, think that this was deserving of four hours? No, not at all. I like long movies, so I liked it. Ah, oh, then Schindler's List would be right up your alley, buddy. <laughs> That's on my list of movies to watch. Also, I don't know if this was a real thing or not, but there was a rumor that there's an even longer cut. Wow. <laughs> Good lord. What did he... Oh, God. He let full, like, unedited versions of, like, know. them handing arrows to people and walking in water. What did he cut? It's probably rumors, but that's just what I saw when I was browsing through, like, Facebook one day. Zach, making your movie longer doesn't make it better! (laughs) Eight-hour-long Justice League movie. (laughs) No! No, it's at that point where you can only watch it as a miniseries. It's like Lawrence of Arabia long uh, run time. (laughs) So on the, the note of... On that note, yeah, I'll just... Ian. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny I bring up uh, fan edits because, um, naturally, uh, this version of the movie was a thing almost purely, well, not purely, but a good chunk of it was based on fan outcry. The amount of times that people would find hashtag release the Snyder Cut, um... All over the place. It was in the freaking Harley All Quinn movie over or the show. Place. Like a dude was mm-hmm. wearing "Release the Snyder Cut" on his T-shirt. That's funny. oh yeah, and uh, you know, it was a little mixed in terms of uh, whether fans, in terms of how they went about expressing their desire for it, was healthy or not. And lately, we've been seeing a lot of movies that when they release, they've had some kind of uh, change induced by a fan outcry. I think the one that immediately comes to mind is uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. And uh, it does beg the question, because this seems to be a thing, and also doesn't look like it's ending, because now there's a new hashtag known as uh, Restore the Snyderverse. And uh, now that's all about, hey, we want more of what Zack Snyder, you know, wants for, uh, you know, the rest of the franchise. And that does beg the question, do we have any concerns about, you know, how much control a fandom has over the production and release of a movie? I'm just afraid it'll, like, throw Black Adam under the rug. That's what I'm excited mm. for. I I think uh, so. This is a pretty unique case, right? Of like people being very vocal. But I yes. I keep coming back to was this the film that really needed a second chance? I say yeah. I, would say, I say yeah. so. Yeah, especially because of the context for it. Because you know, Zach was essentially robbed of it. I, I like, guess, it's one yeah. thing that he had to leave to tend to, you know, the the passing of his daughter and just kind of deal with the emotional baggage of it. But the other thing is that Warner Brothers went behind his back and completely changed how it was supposed to be perceived, you mm-hmm. know? And mm-hmm. 
naturally, because Zack Snyder has a distinct, you know, style to his movies, uh, and it kind of goes hand in hand with the movies up until that point. Um, I think, yeah, it should have been shown in the way that it was intended because clearly there was a lot missed and it's sad that now we know that it is so much better than what it was in 2017 uh, because to some people, they, they want to see more of what he was doing because he finally found his groove in this universe. And mm -hmm. it's a shame that we only realize this, you know, post-mortem. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be opposed to, mo like, him seeing his uh, his full five movie plan come to fruition, but I wouldn't, I do not, um, I can't justify the recent actions of the people who uh, post that uh, Restore the Snyderverse hashtag mm -hmm. on s certain uh, topics going on right now. Mm -hmm. that I will not go into. Fair enough. Uh, speaking purely yeah. on the movie's merits, uh, I, I understand uh, a man has to stand up for his livelihood and whatnot, but mm. asking, like, if it was up to me personally, I think uh, DC going off and doing their own thing uh, and not relying solely on Snyder's vision is probably better for the long term. Yes, while that's true, I think it's, it makes a very good case of how a director's vision, if driven to a single point, is better than being interrupted and, I don't want to say corrupted. Completely but butchered. Completely butchered by a studio is a benefit in itself. Oh yeah, I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not trying to like justify that, because that's, that's a whole separate thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I just think like... I I'm fine with what he's put out for this franchise. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. just glad he was able to complete his vision. And, and just like the characters that were presented in Justice League, he too got a character art and a full circle. Mm -hmm. But that's just my yes. insightful moment. Indeed, and quite frankly, I I think uh, just the fact that we got the Snyder cut it it's an important film for the fact of like, hey, listen, this is what you could potentially get if you just not necessarily put your 100% undivided faith into a director, but just let them breathe their vision into the project and don't constantly, you know, try to push your own thoughts and, and agenda on what the movie should be let them make the film and obviously yeah if they're making something that's a little weird or kind of out there and isn't what is in line for your grand scheme of things with the franchise and all that fine but it also helps to have a fucking plan to begin with <laughs> yeah they they screwed him mm -hmm. over with that there there was no plan for a long-term goal here frankly i i think a lot of it while I have my points of contention with Zack Snyder and his, like, filmmaking, mainly the fact that if I had to boil it down, it does, at least to me, feel like oftentimes he just tries too hard in terms of trying to make something epic or cool and stuff like that, and he goes for, like, a very simplistic and surface-level kind of way of executing that. 
Mm. Uh, he still has excellent style. Like you look at a Snack Snyder film and it's Snack Snyder, <laughs> Zack <Good> Snyder. <laughs> Zack mm-hmm. Snyder looking like a snack, let me tell you. <laughs> okay, I don't know um, about that. I, I command you to stop. There. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing it for the Cease. joke, not my actual pursuits. Uh, but, you know, you know a Zack Snyder film when you see it. And there's a lot of copycats out there, but, you know, when you see the real deal, you see it. I, I suppose and that's frankly, true. Frankly, I, I feel that, if anything... It also would have helped if what Justice League was doing was also what Man of Steel was doing in terms of, like, that tonality ballpark. Which, by the way, I actually feel like this version of Justice League almost has a similar tonality to, like, say, The Dark Knight, where it's not miserable, but it's also not so lighthearted. It's dramatic, Mm -hmm. not grim and dark. It's dramatic. Mm-hmm. With little bits of levity and stuff like that. And I like that. And frankly, I would have liked to see that kind of DCEU from the start with more setup. Because you see little inklings of what it could have been. And thankfully, at least with Justice League, I can say fun time guaranteed. And I am fully satisfied with uh, what I got with it, which is. A lot. I am too. Saying, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in in reference to the other Zack Snyder DCEU films, I still don't know if I can rewatch Batman versus Superman anytime soon. This might be the better of his works, yeah. Yeah. But overall, would recommend. How would you guys? Same. I, I would recommend it. I, I I have to go against the grain here. I cannot justify a recommendation for this film i can't maybe if there was a version of it that wasn't so depressingly long but the the length really got to me i was like out of energy by the time the exciting stuff happened and i watched this in two parts there is a lot of like i watched this directly down the middle and i was still out of it when i came back to it like I, i just didn't get a lot from this and i'm glad you guys did yeah, yeah. I don't know if it necessarily um, gives a facelift to the previous films. Maybe Man of Steel. Possibly. Mm. I don't know. But mm, it, at least uh, with this, um, it's solid. I actually felt that it was a competently done movie. Just way too long. Still has a couple of confusing choices. Like, again, Martian Manhunter. I think he should have just been saved until the end and not rob Martha Kent of a wonderful scene like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, for what it is, it is a much better film. And frankly, at least to me, it's also just a good movie in general. Uh, I'd even say uh, it ain't just a superhero movie. It has a little more in there than that all right so there we go the snyder cut we have survived it now if we can just get the widescreen cut and not have to put up with that stupid oh, four by three aspect ratio <laughs> yeah I, I think we've uh, uh we've talked enough yeah i don't want to go as long I as think the movie. we have we're, we're already pushing over if, two uh, hours. any of you people listening 
if any of you people listening uh, were curious as to what I was getting about, do a little Google search on aspect ratios, and you'll find that uh, the Snyder Cut is strange for that. Uh, we've obviously talked at great lengths, and I feel like I would be the only one who can contribute to this. Mm-hmm. So uh, look it up on your own time. Um, it's a little strange, but also it makes sense uh, technically. If anything, you could also check out uh, Zack Snyder explain it himself in a wee little uh, YouTube video that is available for viewing where he explains the reasoning why the Snyder Cut is in 4x3. But until then, uh, we hope you all enjoyed our little session here. Now, before we bid everybody adieu, uh, our recommendation rotation is uh, about to complete its first cycle. And that leaves me, baby. <laughs> it's oh. my turn to throw my little choice into the fray. And what better us. way with us completing a long, miserable, and noisy superhero flick than watching another long, miserable, and noisy superhero flick. That being the 2003... A critically meh movie, but also confusing within the filmography of the director. That being, uh, 2003, Ang Lee directed Hulk. All right. God. Help us. (laughs) It's going to be fun. It's going to be strange. It's going to be... Action-packed in areas. We'll certainly find but out. But more or less. But it's going to be very, very green. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I will be looking forward to it. Until then, everybody. Until then. We look forward to your return. Catch you later, everyone. Adios. Bye-bye. Farewell.